last week, Sylvester, he preached about King David and his wholeheartedness to God, but also his son Solomon and some of his decisions that made him fall short of all that God had for him. And this week, we're looking at Ruth and her sister Orpah. So I don't know about you, um, but I've been familiar with the book of Ruth, but it had been a while since I had read it, um, in all honesty, before preparing for this. So for some of you, maybe you're very familiar with this story. Others of you, maybe like me, it's been a while. Um, and maybe for others, still, this is uh, the first time kind of hearing about the character of Ruth. So I just want to summarize the story. The book is very short, um, and so we can kind of uh, wor work our way through the story quite quickly. So the story begins in Bethlehem. There is a couple named Naomi and Elimelech, or Elimelech, I'm not totally sure, but there's Ruth and her husband, or sorry, Naomi and her husband, and they live, they're Israelites in Bethlehem, and there's a famine that happens there, and they actually have to move to Moab, so they have to move to a foreign country so that they can survive and they can make it through. And uh, they have sons, they have two sons, and very sadly, while they're in uh, Moab, the father, he passes away. And then after that, sometime later, then the sons pass away as well. So here's Naomi, an Israelite woman who is in a foreign land, and she now has no husband and no uh, sons to take care of her, no sons to provide for her, no sons to protect her. And so she hears that the famine in Bethlehem has actually ended. And so she, sa she says to herself, I want to go back. I need to go back to my country. I need to go back to my homeland, which makes sense, right? To be near at least extended family, knowing her situation in Moab. So she packs up her life together with her daughters-in-law, these Moabite women that um, her sons had married, and they set off for Bethlehem. And the Bible doesn't say how far they were. Maybe they had just started. Maybe they're halfway there. Maybe they were all the way there. We don't know. But they were on their journey. And Naomi stops, and she says to Ruth and Orpah, she says, girls, you should go back, actually. Go back to your family. Go back to your homeland. Go back to your God. And at first, both of the women, they say, no, no, we're going to go with you. We're going to go with you to your land. And, and then a second time, Naomi says, no, no, really, you should go. Like, I actually don't have any sons. I don't have any m other male relatives that you can marry. And so there's no opportunity for you for a great future back in Bethlehem. So go back. Go back to your family. And at that point, Orpah kisses her mother-in-law and heads back to Moab. And Naomi stays firm, and she says, no, I'm going to go with you. And then a third time, Naomi says, no, really, you should go. There really isn't anything for you, so please go. And then Ruth, in uh, chapter 1, sorry, Ruth says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, in the message, I love this, she says, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried, so help me God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. And then, in the next verse, it says, When Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in. I think that Naomi, or sorry, that Ruth, she, she had her whole heart set on going, didn't she? And so Naomi realizes she's not going to win this argument. She says, come on, let's go back, to, let's go to Bethlehem together. 
So Ruth, she expresses verbally this amazing commitment to Naomi and to her God and to her people. And then she properly acts on it. She goes with Naomi and they go to Bethlehem. And and actually, all of these acts of devotion really release an amazing amount of, of God's faithfulness in her life. So they get to Bethlehem, and like I said, Naomi, she, she didn't really have anyone to provide for her or to take care of her. So Ruth sets off, and she starts to work in the fields so that, they can, so that she can provide for Naomi and so that she can provide um, for their little household. And so she starts gleaning in some fields. So when the harvesters were, glea- were harvesting the, the wheat and the barley, then the little bits that were left over, then very poor people would come and they would take those little bits and then bring them back and, and make bread and that sort of thing at home. And so Ruth, she's doing this. She's gleaning from these fields. And uh, it turns out that Naomi, she did have a very distant relative, a male relative, and that was a man by the name of, name of Boaz. And Ruth was actually harvesting in Boaz's fields. And, uh, and Ruth finds favor in Boaz's, in his eyes because he's actually heard ahead of time about this woman, this woman who's come from Moab, and she's now following Yahweh, and she's now laid her life down for Naomi. And so she hears, here, sorry, he hears about her and her faithfulness. And so Boaz says to her, you stay, continue to work in my fields. That's fine by me. Don't feel ashamed, you know. And, and also, I'm going to make sure my workers look after you and protect you. And Ruth, she says in Ruth 2, verse 11, sorry, 10 and 11, she says she dropped to her knees and bowed her face to the ground. And it, she said, how does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly, me? a foreigner. And Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you. Heard of the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of strangers. So Ruth, she she goes home and she tells Naomi about this. And Naomi says, yes, Boaz is actually a a relative and he's, he's a good man. He's somebody that can be trusted, so continue to work in his fields. And so Boaz becomes fond of Ruth, and Ruth becomes fond of Boaz, and it becomes this really lovely story. But then Ruth is just incredibly bold, and she actually ends up asking Boaz basically to marry her. And he says yes, which is amazing. And that day, like, that would be a shocker now, right? But back in that day, that was just unheard of. And so they get married, and it's just this beautiful story. And then, and then they have a son. And you know, it says, I love this, it says that all the women of Bethlehem rejoiced over the birth of this son because they knew the journey that Naomi had been on and Ruth had taken with her. And now there was a descendant, now there was a boy. Now there was a legacy that was going to come from that story. Isn't that amazing? So they rejoiced together. And that son, his name was Obed, And he became the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And King David is in the line of Jesus. So here's this foreign woman, lays her life down for her mother-in-law, gives herself to God. And now she is grafted into the line of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And 
I love lots of things about this story, but one thing that I really love about this is that Ruth is a woman of incredible inner strength. She ha experiences such tragedy in her life. And yet throughout the story, we see this bold woman, right, who is unwavering and totally resolved in what she's going to do. And that is that she's going to go with Naomi to Bethlehem and she's going to make a way there because she loves God and she loves her family and she's going to just go for it. That's what she decides to do. Now, what's interesting is that some ancient Jewish writings would actually say that Ruth and Orpah were sisters. So this is interesting because actually, and they were daughters of a Moabite king. They were royalty. And I think this is really helpful to know because in that moment when Naomi was saying, girls, go home. It wasn't just go home and kind of try to find your own way. It was like, go home to your dad who's a king. Go home and you will marry well again. Go home and you will have riches. They were, they'd be going home to a lot of good stuff, to a secure future. Ruth's sacrifice to, to go all in and follow Naomi to an unknown land and no known opportunity I think it kind of shows us what a huge decision this must have been to go from, she'd be going to back to royalty, to going to a place that she'd never been to. She didn't know anyone other than her mother-in-law. She didn't know how she'd be treated as a foreigner. She knew that her mother-in-law had no, had no one that she could marry. There was nothing for her. And yet she laid her life down and she was totally and completely committed. And the story doesn't tell us at what point Ruth committed herself to God. Maybe she um, had, been, had been following God for many years already because she joined this family that were believing in Yahweh. Maybe she was a firm follower already. We don't know. But what we do know is that in the natural, what, what she could have gone to and what she decided to do, go for is so different. And it just shows her devotion to God, and it shows her devotion to Naomi. Now, when we compare and contrast Ruth and Orpah's stories, at first, they're actually identical, right? They're daughters of a king. They marry foreign men. Then they're widowed. And then initially, mother-in-law says, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's pack everything up. And then she says, no, right? Let's you girls go back. And the first time, again, the story is the same. They both say, we're going to follow you. Let's go. And then the second time, that's when the story totally changes. Orpah says, I'm going to go back. She kisses her, hugs her, and leaves. And Naomi says, for the second and third time, I'm going to go with you. Remember, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. And in the Bible, this is the end of Orpah's story, which in some ways is kind of sad, isn't it? Because especially as we keep reading about Ruth, we think, oh, wow, she really made the right decision, didn't she? The way that God really opened doors for her and made an incredible life for her, but also the way that she left an amazing legacy. But actually, the story is much more sad than that. Um, a number of ancient Jew Jewish writings would say that Orpah didn't get home that Orpah, after leaving Naomi and Ruth, began to prostitute herself. 
Many of the writings say that actually she slept with a hundred different men. And not only that, that one of um, the men that she was in a relationship, that they bore a son, and that son had a son, and that son was Goliath. So her legacy was very different than Naomi's. So Orpah, she didn't go home to dad. She didn't go home to her rich dad and, you know, get married to a nice man and have some kids and live happily ever after. No, she totally lost her way. And she ended up leaving a legacy of burying a man that was, that completely mocked God and was out to destroy God's people as well. And when I was thinking about these two stories and how identical they become, or how identical they start and how different they become, I was struck by the power of our decisions. I was struck by the power of these women's decisions. How they made different choices and they ended up having very different lives, but also leaving very different legacies as well. And now here's the thing about decisions. Decisions are like stepping stones. Decisions, they take us somewhere. One decision leads to another decision which leads to another decision. It's one step, one step. And when I read of Orpah's decision, I don't know about you, but initially it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? She wants to go home to her homeland. She wants to go home to her dad. She wants to get married. She wants to live a bright future. But actually she ends up going and making decisions that mean that she completely dishonors God with her life and with her choices. And like I said, she has, leaves a legacy of burying a man who was out to destroy God's people. So she leaves Naomi, and her decisions have powerful consequences. They have powerful consequences for her life and the way that she was led away from God or chose a life away from God and how it led, or it led to a very negative legacy as well. But then you contrast that to Ruth. Her decisions had very powerful consequences as well, didn't they? didn't they? Her decisions led her closer to God and more in line with his plans and purposes for her. And they also released favor and blessing over her life. Now, as I said at the beginning, I think a wholehearted life is one where all of our passions, all of our thoughts and our decisions, our relationships, everything is pointed towards God living life in the direction of God. But when we start to make decisions that mean our heart just goes off a little bit, we can pretty quickly get off track. Our stepping stones can lead us in a different direction, just like they did for Ruth and Orpah. And I really think that the enemy, he loves to take any opportunity that he can to kind of get in there and get into our hearts and just say, well, what about this way? Just take a little step this way, a little step that way away from God. And sometimes they feel like small decisions, ones that don't even have, bear any consequence. And yet we know in our heart we're turning away rather than turning towards. And, and actually when our affections for God and when our lives and our decisions start to go off track, it doesn't honor God, it doesn't please him, but also it's just not his intention for our life. He has so much for us. But when we begin to choose a different way, there's consequences of that. 
Now, the world, the enemy, lots of different things will, will try to take our eyes off Jesus and our hearts away from him. But we've got to continue to choose him, to turn our hearts towards him. And do you know what? I don't say this to discourage us, but this wrestle doesn't end. I'm 37, going on 38. And I know I'm a bit older than a lot of people in this room, and I can tell you this wrestle doesn't end. Our hearts need to stay focused on God, but there are so many things that want to draw our hearts other places. But do you know what? We have got to keep learning how to align ourselves with God and how to continue to make good decisions that mean that we're, we're making stepping stones to, to, or sorry, stepping on stepping stones towards going closer to the Father rather than away. This is something that we can keep doing and we will keep doing our whole lives. It'd be great if sin and temptation just kind of ended, but they don't. They look different in different seasons, but it, it's there. And we've got to keep choosing to align ourselves with God. Romans 6, verse um, 12 and 13 in the message says this, you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time into God's way of doing things. I love that. You must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands connected with that old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly, full time, into God's way of doing things. And I think this passage is just, it says it so simply, right? Give yourself whole of full time, wholeheartedly. Don't even do little stuff that will bring your, your mind, your attention, your affections this way. No, keep going towards our God. And I just want to encourage us this morning to, to stop believing the lie that our decisions don't matter because they do. They'll lead us somewhere. They're going to lead us towards God or away from God. So let's make decisions that will bring us closer to him. And the second thing that I was really um, struck by when reading these stories was, like I said, the first one that our decisions, they matter so much. But also the second one was the way that God, he honors a laid down life. Orpah, she chooses to go home. Well, she doesn't make it home, but that, she chooses to go in that direction to her dad, who's, who's a king, and have a secure future there. Whereas Naomi, she lays her life down for Naomi. She says it, and then she does it. Remember, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. And Again, just remembering everything that Naomi was leaving when she made that decision, right? She just totally decided to, to live in a laid-down way for her, for her mother-in-law. And there's so many decisions that she would have had to make that were stepping stones towards this, but she declares it, and then she acts on it. Like I said, you know, she makes this powerful declaration to Naomi, and then she actually goes. She doesn't just say it, she does it. And then to think, they, they arrive in Bethlehem, you know, and she starts providing for her mother-in-law. She starts gleaning those fields day after day, back-breaking in the sun. But she knows she's the one that's got to provide for her mother-in-law. 
She could have been in a, in a palace for all we know, right? I don't think they had proper palaces at that time. But, you know, they, she could have gone home and had all, everything provided for her. And there she is, poor, choosing poverty in a field so that she can serve her mother-in-law, so that she can serve God. Isn't that amazing? And I just think that, that I love the way that uh, her testimony went before her. How Boaz, she had, he had heard what she had done. And then that way made a way for her. And I feel like, um, God, he so loves when we lay our lives down for other people that it just, it releases his favor. It releases his blessing over our lives. And again, when we compare these two stories, we see Orpah, who... In some ways, we can, we can um, identify with her the decision to go back to that security. But when you compare the two stories, you can see the selfishness in that. When you look at, at Naomi and the way that she laid her life down for her mother-in-law. And also, I do wonder what was going on in Orpah's heart if she didn't even make it home, you know? If she was so quick to lose her way, what was going on in her heart? But again, we look at Ruth, and she's just such an example of a laid-down life for God and the way that God just so honors that and, and gives her, in time, a husband, and, and a rich one at that, <laughs> but it gives her a husband and gives her a family and gives her a legacy that, that bears Jesus. I want to read Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. It starts with a question. It says this, Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? I think that's a good question, isn't it? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? They are passionate people and wholehearted, always sincere, always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse slander or insult others. They never listen to gossip or rumors, nor would they ever harm another with their words. They will speak out passionately against evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make firm commitments and follow through, even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation or abuse. They would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. They will never be shaken. They will stand forever. Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? This passage says they are passionate people. They are sincere people. They are people that speak the truth. They are people that are trustworthy. They are people that defend the oppressed. They are people that follow through on commitments. These are the people that will never be shaken. These are the people that wholeheartedly give their lives to God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that daily dwelling in the Holy Spirit, I think, oh, man, I want more of that in my life. I feel like there's days where I'm there, yes. And then there's days where, man, I fall short, so short. But I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry to daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as I've been thinking about this year and thinking about this series, I feel an excitement in my heart about uh, what this is going to look like for us as a church. 
Now, I know we're starting this, this year off with this series, and I know it's, it's a three-week series. It's not long, but this is a call for us every day, sometimes every moment of every day, and every week and every month to, to, to make decisions that honor and glorify God and bring us closer to him, but also to lay our lives down for each other and those around us. And so, so this isn't a three-week thing. This isn't even a 21-day fast thing. This is a, an everyday thing. And I do feel excited about the way that we're going to grow in this this year. And it really is my prayer that we are making decisions that are stepping stones to us growing in our relationships with God. Do you know, one of my, another one of my kind of desires for us, and one of the things that I'm actually praying about for us as a church, is that we become really known for being a group of people, for being a, a, um, a family of people that are, are passionate, but also are so compassionate to each other, that we're committed and devoted to God, not on a Sunday, mo- not, not just on a Sunday morning, but that people see and hear of our devotion even in the week. I just really pray that we're a place where we're being the hands and the feet of Jesus, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of the week. I really want us, I want us to grow in being people that are trustworthy and being people that are people that follow through on commitments like this, this verse said in Psalms. Do you know, again, something that I'm praying for is that I pray that this is a place where people are hired from. They hear, these are people that are hardworking. These are people that are diligent. This is a good place to hire from. And so I feel excited about a wholehearted life because it, it bears good fruit. It, do you know, it raises the standard. It raises the standard in our relationships, in our work, in our time management, in our communication. It, re- it raises the standard in so many areas of our lives. It, it sets us on a path of excellence and honoring and pleasing God. But all this starts with decision-making. It's so key. Big or small, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to set ourselves on paths that are leading us closer to God.